Hello and welcome to this special edition of Open Sources Guelph from CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Joining us shortly will be my co-host, Scotty Hertz. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us on CFRU every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which for this special edition means the candidates who are running in Ward 2 in this current municipal election. So these interviews have been presented over the last several weeks on the show. We have organized all the candidate interviews we have done with the people running in Ward 2 in one convenient episode of the show. And they are in alphabetical order. Morgan Dandy, Rodrigo Goller, Carly Klassen, Aaliyah Morrison, and Raymond Sartor. So I am going to proceed into the background and throw it to these candidates uh, starting right now. We're now joined by Morgan Dandy, one of eight remaining candidates vying for a seat in Ward 2 on October 24th. So I know that some listeners may know who you are from around town, but for the benefit of those that might not, can you tell us just a bit about yourself? Well, my name is Morgan Dandy. You may know me as Morgan Hannah or Morgan Dandy Hannah. I am back to my birth name and very proud to be wearing that once again. I've lived in Guelph for about eight or nine years now, and I'm very involved in the community. I enjoy connecting people, and I love to provide service. What was the deciding factor that made you run this time around for council? I got involved with the Greens way back in 2018 because of Mike Schreiner. And over the last number of years have discovered that municipal governance is really where my heart belongs. Being able to provide service to the individuals at the level of government that most affects their lives is very important to me. And I felt that being on city council was the best way for me to be able to continue that on a greater scale than just the individuals that I'm able to meet one-on-one day-to-day. Kind of speaking to that, your tagline is out and about in the community. Now, I assume you've been doing that. What have you been hearing from people in Ward 2 or in general? What's kind of emerging as as a theme this time around? I do spend a lot of my time in the downtown and I've been familiarizing myself with the ward a little bit more as they are the two newest areas. Plus I've been speaking with some seniors. There's a lot of seniors. There's a lot of renters in ward two. And that's really the reason why I felt that it was important for me to be here. I am a renter. I'm a former homeowner who chooses to rent. So I do have an understanding of both sides. Currently council does not have anyone there that is a current renter. I believe that it is important to have that diversity of representation where people also understand what it is to be a renter and be on a fixed income. And those are things that are part of my life. So I want to be able to help everyone understand not everybody owns a home. Yeah. And kind of to expand a bit on that, I've heard that you're, I understand you're a a gig worker and most cities in 2022, let's say a bit unforgiving for people who make a living that way. Uh, So in your view, what do you think 
at the municipal level could be done to improve the lives of gig workers and by extension, uh, renters? Because I think the two go hand in hand. Absolutely. I think one of the best things that the city has done for everyone that is on the lower end of the income scale is to introduce the pilot with a sliding scale for transit. I actually qualify for the incredibly deep discounted bus pass, and I am incredibly grateful for it because it is a big part of how I'm getting around Ward 2 in order to be able to conduct my campaign. Those are the kinds of things that need to happen where the things that help you get to your job, do your job, don't cost as much. And it's just, it's so hard at the municipal level because so many things are geared from either social services, which is taken care of by the county here in Guelph, or it's a provincial level or federal level. So there are a few things that we can do. And the bus pass is one of the best examples I can think of right now. I keep calling it the new Ward 2. Ward 2 is kind of an interesting slice of town, you know, dividing up the classic ward and it's become this kind of linear arrangement. Do you do you think it'll take some time for that new arrangement to gel? Ward 2 is a really interesting ward because you do have the downtown and the ward, which used to be Ward 1. Them staying together, I think, is really important. There is a big connectivity between the area of the ward on the west side of Victoria and the downtown area. When you get up into the north of Ward 2, they've got a lot of the same issues as Ward 1 does, where there is no bus service. I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to get into the far north in order to do my campaigning there, because there is no bus connectivity. And then you've got the extremely large properties in and around Riverside. Plus, there's all the towers where there's predominantly seniors in that area. It's almost like there's these different sections in Ward 2. And what I am proposing is creating greater connectivity amongst those seemingly different neighborhoods by being out in the community and having office hours at different locations throughout the ward so people can come and visit me. Bringing the downtown and Ward 1 into Ward 2, I think is one of the best realignment things that could have come out of the review. You've said in your materials that you're someone who sees the the big picture. So uh, in relation to Guelph, what do you see as the big picture for this town? We are provincially mandated to grow to 208,000 population and 116 jobs by 2051 in the middle of a climate emergency while facing great inflationary pressures following the pandemic. So that's the big picture. It's about all of the capital projects that need to be done, which includes making sure that we have safe roads. There's so much that goes into it. And when working at a project level, what I've always done is what is the outcome? Where do we want to be? And then work back from there. What do we, at, at each step, this is our goal. Well, what needs to happen right before that goal is met? And just keep working it back and working it back. I believe that with the 10-year look at how our budget is formed, and by creating multi-year budgeting, it is going to help 
us understand how the pieces of the big picture fit together. Probably the most hot button issue every election, and this relates to what you just said, is the tax rate. So cost of living up, inflation up, many people feel taxes are too high. What's what's your view on that? Is the projections that are coming out of City Hall just right, too high, too low even? That's a really difficult question. I did follow the budget over the last two years as council went through it. And I still don't have quite enough understanding of how the municipal budget works. The one thing that I do know is the reason that we're where we're at now, as far as the increases, is because things weren't taken care of in a timely fashion in the past. And the other problem that all municipalities face is that growth does not pay for growth. So while we are approving all of these wonderful projects to bring more neighbors into our community and increase the property tax base, those same developments are depleting our ability to maintain infrastructure. And unless we maintain our infrastructure through development charges, it's necessary to raise taxes. Otherwise, the city will fall apart. I hate that that's the reality of things. And that's where we're at. So here's the the magic wand question. If you were elected and you became counselor, what would be your first order of business? What would be top of mind for you as brand new anointed counselor for Ward 2? One of the questionnaires that was sent to counselors asked about the first 100 days. So when I look at the first 100 days, I recognize that as a new counselor, I will absolutely be learning what it is to truly be a counselor. Even though I've been shadowing for the last 30 months, I've never been in an in-camera meeting. So I don't know a lot of the things that a counselor needs to know because I haven't been able to be privy to that information. So learning to be a counselor And a big part of that learning to be a counselor will be getting ready for the budget in January. Those two processes, I believe, will be beneficial for every one of the new counselors that come on and being able to get a good handle on how municipal governance is run. Finally, in in summary, why should voters pick you for their Ward 2 counselor in October? Thank you very much for that question, Scott. I believe that as an individual who is both a renter by choice and a former homeowner, as well as someone whose entire time in Guelph has been within the confines of Ward 2, that I have the ability to listen because I care and I want to connect people. Connecting community is incredibly important. The more that we know about our neighbors, the more that we listen to the trials and tribulations and joys, the better able we will be to work collaboratively and collectively for the betterment of all. So if, if people would like to get in touch with you, find out more about your campaign, how can they do that? I have a website up now. It's dandy Ward 2 That's D-A-N-D-I-E. F-O-R-W-A-R-D, the number two, dot com. I can also be reached by email at dandyforward2 at gmail.com. And on Facebook, it is 
Dandy Forward 2. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Morgan, and best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you, Scott. It was a pleasure to converse with you today. Okay, Rodrigo Goller, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Pleasure to be here. All right, then let's get right into the questions, which is my first one. Uh, you, you, you know, you were running in War Two, which mm-hmm. you ran in War Two last time, but War Two is sort of drastically different. Um, is that uh, is that having an effect on the way you're campaigning? Uh, how's it how's it changed for you this election? Absolutely, I think as, as an incumbent, uh, you would I, I benefit from name recognition, but seeing as about half the ward is new. I, I started early, um, a couple of weeks after the provincial election, I started door knocking, talking to people. So I've been campaigning since the end of June, uh, really with, with a focus on, on the neighborhoods that were not part of War II um, previously. Um, yeah, so I'm not, not taking uh, it for granted, uh, you know, having the, the incumbent advantage. I'm really going out there to try and connect to, to the neighbors and see what the issues are for the different neighborhoods. and. And they're, they're quite varied, you know, from, from area to area. Are you getting a lot of, what are you doing here? Where's Dan? <laughs> uh, I am actually getting a lot of surprise. Um, I think the vast majority of people that I spoke to are not aware that the ward boundaries have changed. And, and that goes back to one of the main themes that I'm seeing, just the lack of communication. Um, you know, it's, it's a significant change for the municipality, uh, but seeing as there's no local daily newspaper. Uh, a lot of people are not following the city on their social media. Uh, and many people don't use uh, social media uh, at all. It really creates a disconnect. And I think the city needs to do better at connecting with people, both digitally, but also offline. We need to figure out how to do that effectively. Mm-hmm. Is that um, perhaps a, you know an unintended aspect of, I guess, not just you, but everybody who's running in War Two, and maybe a little bit everybody who's who's running in this election, is that you know you're you're not only educating the voter about yourself, you're educating the voter about where they are in the electoral scheme of things. Yeah, but, but I, I think that happens every election because people have so many things, and there's there's so much information coming at you that this is an excellent opportunity to connect with residents across the wards, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm running. Uh, the campaign and the way that I'm running it um, to really speak to people, connect to people uh, and understand what the different issues are. Uh, yeah, a lot of the conversations are just updates on what's happening, what's going on, what the city has been working on. Um, and a lot of that includes the, the change of boundaries. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you kind of noted, you're an incumbent. Um, granted, the words have changed this and the other thing, but you know, you and and James Gordon, your your current ward mate, have a have had a very good working relationship. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's how it seems from the outside yeah, looking. No, it, it, it was. It was <laughs> right from the start. We started hosting town halls together, uh, whether in person and then moving over to to virtual. So yeah, it, it was great working with James uh, for the last uh, four years. This leads me then to um, ask, you know, if you are lucky enough to get reelected, um, what are you looking for in a, a ward mate and a collaborator? Um, and maybe that goes without obviously endorsing any specific person. But I mean, what kind of characteristics are, are you thinking about? And like, I would really like to work with someone who does X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think for me, I, I want to make sure that uh, 
I'm, I'm working with with someone. I mean, whoever gets elected, uh, I will definitely work with with uh, the the other councillor, uh, and I'm good for that in terms of being flexible and uh, and um, you know open to to different styles. But what I'm hoping for is that uh, we have someone that is uh, more communicative with uh, with constituents. Uh, I know during the last term of council, only Dominique O'Rourke in Ward Six and myself had monthly newsletters to keep our council, our constituents updated. Uh, and I know some other councillors also had newsletters, but I think the regularity of this is what's on the agenda at the beginning of the month. This is These are the big decisions that we have to discuss. I love your feedback. And then taking the time to actually connect with constituents during the couple of weeks uh, in the middle of the month uh, so that I could make informed decisions at the end of the month. Uh, I'm hoping that whoever and gets elected um, as my, my fellow councillor uh, in Ward 2 will be open to doing that and possibly collaborating on that newsletter together so that it's more of a one point of information. Uh, with James, it was good that we maintained a shared website. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that um, Leanne and uh, Kathy did that in Ward 5 and so did Dominique and Mark in Ward 6. So it was a one point of information because I think we have such a fragmented landscape between all the different platforms for social media, uh, even, um, you know, television is not not the same. The more people that I talk to, I find that very few people still watch the local TV channel. So it just creates this void of, of information that I'm hoping we can we can facilitate, at least from a counselor perspective. So that's that's the big one, listening to constituents um, and really keeping a pulse on what the community wants and the, what the community you know, uh, is, is showing. For example, uh, here in Guelph, we have a very high rate of uh, vaccination. Mm. I have had a couple of people that ask me at the door, what is your stance on vaccines? I tell them, well, uh, as, as a member, a board member for our public health unit, I strongly support vaccine mandates. And a couple of people say, thank you. And that's the end of the conversation because they're not going to vote for me. And that's fair. But I think, Interesting. you know, the, the elected officials really should represent what the, the broad population wants. That's interesting. I really want to do a deep dive into that, but I'm going to restrain myself to get back to the main <laughs> thrust of this being the election. Um, you're in a you and Dominique are in um, both in kind of a, a similar position. I think I asked her something similar, but if I didn't, I apologize. So I'm going to ask you. Um, you know, you have you're coming out of your first term. Um, you you know, and you like a lot of candidates go go into uh, an election with a lot of like ideas and a lot of purpose uh, a lot of things you want to get done something big happened this last term that probably threw all of that under the <laughs> under the table into the closet wherever you store things in a hurry but if you do get reelected what's a priority for you going into a new term that you weren't able to tackle in your first term mm -hmm. well I think something that is that is coming more more to the surface is the, the housing issue that we have. Uh, we really are in a crisis. Uh, Wellington County is has been working on the ten-year plan to eliminate homelessness and wealth in Wellington County, and I feel that they're making good progress over at the county. Uh, they put substantial amounts of money every year towards their affordable housing reserve. When I was elected back in 2018, that previous year, the budget had zero dollars towards our affordable housing reserve. In 2019, we put 300,000 and 500,000 every year after that. Uh, but it's it's really a, a drop in the bucket for what we need for affordable housing. Uh, Wolf has not 
built any new social housing or rent geared to income housing or or truly affordable housing since 2005. So I think that's that's where we really need to reconnect. And there, it's the the Guelph Nonprofit Housing Corporation uh, operates under Wellington County, and they are the folks that manage social housing at the city of Guelph. I think we need to work more closely with them to get a read on what the actual need is and how many more units we need in Guelph uh, of whether it be uh, affordable or rent gear to income uh, so that, that we can actually meet the need. I know that it's it's a long wait list if uh, you know, you're on ODSP or um, you're, you're on, on the list for housing, you're looking at seven plus years. And I think that's that's growing and it's not acceptable. Um, not, not, not in an age when we're coming out of the pandemic and, and economically, you know, we look at the numbers and Canada appears to be doing really well, but I think what's, what we need to take note of is that overall, as a society, we're doing well, but there's this growing gap between those who have money and those who have, don't have money. And when Guelph's rent is comparable to Toronto and mm. you know the city considers affordable housing to be 80% of the market rent, well, even 80% of $2,000 actually... We were just looking at um, rental listings down the street from me. There is a one bedroom listed for twenty five hundred mm. um, per month, and I'm thinking, well, that's you know eighty percent of that. If that's what the city considers affordable, so we need to go back, change the city's definition of affordability, so we can actually evaluate how well we're doing um, at having that range of houses and work with with the county to build more social housing and wealth. Lots of other things that we need to do to increase the housing stock, um, you know, including changes to our zoning bylaw to allow more rental units without restrictions for, say, parking spaces or to allow legal triplex, fourplex, fiveplex units that we currently do not allow. Uh, so, yeah, just working ways to increase housing, but also uh, actually step up and build some more social housing uh, in the city of Guelph. All right. I don't know what it is about War Two candidates at uh, you know trying to pack three answers into one, but that <laughs> seems to be a trend. Um, <laughs> maybe just a, sort of a quick comment on this. You know, y- you have been on council, and a lot of people in this election are talking about like the need to build more social housing and things mm-hmm. like that. You know what the barriers are because you've already been looking at the barriers. Is there as much wiggle room as people hope there is in order to? Get, to make some of those goals uh, that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that that's a hard fought um, situation <laughs> because a lot of the limitations that we have are are put onto us by the province. Yeah. So th- there's actually relatively small room for us to make change, uh, and that's why little things like removing the restriction of of a parking space to have an additional renting unit that's something we can influence. Most other issues are really depending on provincial funding, federal funding. At the same time, if we don't have matching dollars in a reserve when the opportunity comes from the feds or the province to build more housing, then we're not going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Right. So we need we do need to do some some prep work. But that is actually you know the, the, the wiggle room is my largest frustration. Take for example the the paramedics. We have these code rate situations where we have half or even all our ambulances waiting to unload at the world general. Um, but because there's not enough long-term beds and because there's a shortage of nurses, uh, both provincial um, 
issues that they have to deal with, we are paying the consequence uh, through through ambulance uh, service, through overtime for par- paramedics, and through just wait times, people calling 911 locally. So it's it's one of those issues that the downloading of services to the municipality that I think we need to focus more and do more advocacy at the provincial level. Okay, perfect. Well, this is this might be the easiest question of the day, but uh, where can people get more information about you and the campaign you're running? Absolutely, uh, it's a uh, Goler the number four word the number two Goler for word two dot um, uh, ca, and that is the the website at Goler for word two on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, that's how you, or you can just give me send me an email Rodrigo at Goler for word two. Perfect. Well, Rodrigo. Go- <clears throat> Rodrigo Goller, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Adam. Great seeing you. Okay, Carly Klassen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Adam. Uh, for people who may not be familiar with you, uh, at least politically speaking, some people may be familiar with your uh, business interests, but uh, by way of introducing yourself, uh, who is Carly Klassen? Yeah. So like you said, hi, I'm Carly and I am a small business owner here in Guelph. I am the owner of the Sage Soap Company. Um, I'm from Guelph. And so I've I've certainly followed what's been happening at a municipal level for many, many years. But recently I moved back about eight years ago uh, from living away and I started to get involved in a number of local uh, boards and um, nonprofits. And I have worked on um, the library, the Guelph Public Library Board. I've also, I also currently sit on the uh, Guelph Chamber of Commerce Board. And through that, I sit on the Downtown Guelph Business Association. Um, I'm also an avid volunteer in other areas. I've been a long time volunteer at Hillside. Um, and I've also been, you know, lending my voice to a number of different local organizations over the years. And um, so running for city council just feels like a bit of an extension of some of the work that I've already been doing, um, connecting with people and bringing attention to various issues. Um, and and yeah, I think that's sort of me in a nutshell. I also have a background in uh, political science. I started my undergraduate degree uh, at Carleton University in Ottawa. I worked on a couple of federal campaigns as well, uh, kind of like learning the ropes of like what canvassing means and, you know, Things, things like picking up a phone and calling people and and just connecting with what's really happening. Um, and so I got a kind of early taste of that. And I I think I after after I got into that world, I also realized that I had other interests and that being political is something that we should be participating in different parts of our lives all of the time. Um, and when when this year, I, I thought that it was a, a good time for me professionally to be able to put my hat in the ring because I'm well supported here with my business. So um, yeah, that's kind of why I'm running. All right. We we know who you are. So why don't you tell us about War 2, which is very different from the old War 2 um if in in this election so tell us about uh where you're running and and um why it's important to you yeah so i am in ward two and 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 the boundaries have changed not a lot of like i I still talk to a lot of people at the at the at the door who 
doesn't know that as soon as when we vote in this election, we'll be voting with the new ward boundaries. Um, technically, our service areas up until October 24th are um, the current ward boundaries. So you're going to see that if you go to the website. Um, but after the 24th and on the 24th, you'll be voting with the new boundaries. And so the new boundaries basically extend all of the way from the river, um, the Aramosa, all the way to essentially Guelph Lake and the new development that is past Woodlawn. And it's bordered by Victoria and Woolwich Street. And I call it Woolwich Street Extended because it includes downtown. Um, so there's a lot of different neighborhoods in there. And there's a lot of different needs happening in all of those different areas. Um, and, you know, there's also some big items that unify all of us, right? We're all talking about safety and we're all talking about the post-pandemic world and what that means. So as far, like I'm hearing affordability coming out of every person's mouth and housing. Um, and those are things that it doesn't matter where you live, you see what's happening in the community and in it, it it binds us together. Now, every street has different needs too. Um, so I've been hearing different things based on where people live. Sometimes it's like a microcosm. Like sometimes people are just like, you know, my my snow doesn't get shoveled, doesn't get moved efficiently. Um, and other times it's like, my road is so busy, I'm fearful for my children. Um, and so I've been hearing a lot of different things. And obviously, we're hearing a lot about some of the bigger ticket items, especially with budgeting coming up. Um, people worried about increasing their taxes. Um, everybody, especially people who are living on fixed incomes, um, and ODSP and and who uh, like it's it's a it's a hard time right now and things are getting more expensive and I think that I'm just hearing that people are frustrated and um, it's been a hard time post pandemic and um, yeah it's it, there's but there's again things that are little things that are different but like big things that we're all living with right mm -hmm. we're in a bit of a global community. So as much as we're connecting with people, you know, who live next door, we're also talking about all of these big issues. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> Ward two has been, I've been, it's been really great to talk to people at the door. Um, I haven't been into every neighborhood yet, but I have talked to, I had had some great conversations with people with, you know, different needs in different neighborhoods already. And as I kind of continue the campaign process, I'm excited to hear more. All right. Well, we're here to hear more from you right now. So in, in talking about affordability and things, you mentioned on your website, uh, reasonable growth. So what does reasonable growth look like to you as a, as a business owner, as a rate payer, as a candidate? Yeah, I mean, growth is here. Um, and because we're also mandated by the Ontario uh, legislation, we're a place, we're one of the places to grow in Ontario. So we have, um, I think, we're, is it legislated we're to, to grow up to 208,000 people by, you probably know the year 2051. Um, 2051. And so <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is a, this is a lot of people. So 
Um, there's a couple of things. I, I know one thing that a lot of the other candidates have been talking about, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, is the water table. Does the water table support that many people? Um, we should be building based on, on that. We don't want to be overwhelming our existing systems. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, however, growth means different things to different people. And when we talk about Ward 2, we're talking about an established pretty established neighborhood that has a lot of single family dwellings. There is concentrations of um, high density housing happening as well. I think that we need to be balancing um, those things out with some medium density housing, looking at infill projects that are um, sustainable. There's a lot of different people out there doing interesting work. I had a great conversation with a local architect about a cooperative that he is, has built on. Um, it's it's on the corner of uh, Woolwich and um, Mont, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's interesting housing projects that I think are happening and that need we need more of them. And as we grow, like the future's already here, Adam. Like I like there's other there's other communities and other countries that are having to deal with these issues right now. Like if we look at some European countries, like they have like density issues that are so different than ours. We have so much space and we're sprawling. Like we sh like we are so lucky to have land and space. We should be borrowing some like like practices from Europe and other places where um, population density is high so that we're we're taking advantage of our space in a way that is like meaningful and sustainable but also that we're not creating these cities that are unwalkable we're not creating these like corridors that are wind tunnels where nobody walks because and i've been there and i think we all have been to places where we feel you know that it's not very human sized and i think that uh, I was talking like an architect or uh, engineer about how humans want to be in in spaces that are like three or four stories high that make us feel kind of like safe and um and our eye line can actually see um and perceive like where the the roof is kind of thing <laughs> and we don't have a lot of that i mean we don't like there's not a ton there's um i live i live on huron street where there has been a development um that is a um yeah, they're semi-detached homes. And I think that looking at these types of like projects, especially on our brownfields, where we can be using the space, like there's space. Um, mm. How are we using it? And how are we creating neighborhoods? Because we have to live here. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that's what my big concern is with development is like there's a lot. We look a lot at how do we how do we maximize the dollar value per person when we're when we're building like they want like, you know, development is a business and mm. they are trying to maximize that dollar. And it's our job as not just city councillors, but as citizens to be saying, hey, like we want more. We want more green spaces. We want more affordable units. We want um, we want our dollars to be working for us in ways that benefit people who are in our community that don't have as much. Um, and I think that we should be looking at all of our projects that way. To be frank, um, we we're living in a like a climate emergency, and everything we do should be looked at through that lens every every single thing and whether that means looking at like um different certifications or um integrating sort of you know 
green projects, whether that's harvesting rainwater or, um, you know, using building materials that are more sustainable and um, durable long term. Like, how are we how are we building for the future? Because I think, unfortunately, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, there's this kind of reactionary short term thinking that we have all been getting into because we want immediate gratification, right? We all want to go on social media and have the answer to the question that we're, that we have immediately. But a lot of these things take, take planning and resources and money, but, but we have to be thinking down the road, like 20, 25 years from now, like what, what will, what will the city look like based on this decision that we're making now? And um, yeah. I think that, you know, we we need we need we need the growth, we need development, of course, we need housing. Um, but how are we doing it? And how are we doing it yet to address the immediate needs, of course, but also like thinking about the needs of the future too. Well, you just demonstrated council-like efficiency by addressing about six issues in one question. So <laughs> that brings us to the end of our interview. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh work the last question though is where can people learn more about your campaign yeah uh so you can visit my website which is carlyward2.ca or you can visit me on instagram or facebook which is the same carlyward2guelph uh you gotta add the guelph there on the social media and uh, feel free to send me an email info at carlyward2.ca and if you've got somebody in your life who does not have a phone or no, sorry, who does not have like social, like a smartphone, or if they don't have a, um, like a computer, just give them my, like, just send me a note and I'll give you my number and you can give it to them. Perfect. Well, but Carly it's also available online. So. Okay, perfect. Carly, thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Appreciate you taking the time to get to know me a bit better. All right, Elia Morrison, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. I just want to say for the record before we start, uh, I technically used to be Elias' boss. Uh, I was on the board at Ed Video where he works. Um, so uh, it would have been preferable for Scotty to be available today to do this, but uh, I did want to uh, acknowledge my pecuniary interest uh, in case somebody comes back like, oh, you went a little soft on that Ilya guy. But enough about me. Ilya, tell us about you. Um, yeah, first off, yeah, Adam, thank you. If you hadn't mentioned that, I would have myself. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so it, as Adam just mentioned, I am the technical director at Ed Video Media Arts Center here in Guelph. Um, I, I've lived in Guelph since 2013. I live, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live and work right here in the ward. Um, in Ward 2 or the new Ward 2 and yeah, moved here in 2013 and just kind of fell in love with the city, fell in love with the vibe of the ward and just everything that I, I felt that Guelph represented and could be when I moved here. And yeah, it's just an incredible place to be. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about my past and my history. Well, you uh, kind of said it, you, you know, you're you're living in the ward, which is, uh, you know, always been a, an interesting place, gathering a lot of candidates. It's probably one of the fiercest battlegrounds if we're using those terms in this election. So 
you know, from your point of view as someone who's new to politics, you know, what is it about Ward 2 that has made it so, um, so, so vibrant, politically speaking? Yeah, the uh, the new boundaries um, are interesting for me. Um, you know how we kind of start here in my neighborhood in the ward and going all the way north. Um, you know, encapsulating downtown, encapsulating you know the I guess the older city um, all the way to the the northern border of Guelph. And so there's this wide range of needs and uh, perspectives, um, but I also feel that. You know, we, as always, we're all kind of caring about the same things, about how the the city is growing, how how the city is developing, especially within these build-up areas where, you know, we can't expand, we can't spread, we have to grow up to accommodate the, the density and the mandated population growth that we are, you know, we have to deal with mm-hmm. as the city grows. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's... You know, it's fun and interesting and exciting. Um, and yeah, it, you know, we're all worried about the same things, but from a little bit of a different perspective. Okay, well, then let's talk about some of the things um, that you're hearing people are worried about or some of the things that you're worried about. You know, what, what makes this campaign one you want to fight? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think everyone has been saying this, you know, across the city in, in this election period, it's affordability and you know, again, it, affordability means a different thing to every single person in the city. Um, and I, I view it as so many different topics that fall under the umbrella of affordability. You know, there's, you know, the the big thing that is easy to point at is property taxes. Nobody wants their property taxes to go up. Um, so, you know, it starts there, but you know we can talk about having um, affordable housing, uh, supportive housing, um, you know different types of housing. It's you know uh, you know single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, sixplexes, whatever numbers you want those to be. Um, it includes having services and you know. Uh, uh, commercial, recreational, all sorts of things where people live so that, you know, you're not having to jump in your car and you know, spend money on gas um, to get around, get what you need out of the city. Um, you know, it, it includes public transit. That is, you know, one of the big things that I really care about as a non-driver. I, I think we need a really good public transit system and, you know, one that's affordable, one that's fast, frequent, reliable. I think those are the the three key things. And then, you know, you're not paying your your car insurance, um, you know, paying for gas makes your life more affordable. So just all these different aspects of the way we live and move around and, you know, stay in the city, access city services, they all kind of, for me, pile together under this big thing called affordability. I did note on your campaign website, you did talk about, um, you know, getting rid of car dependency in, in the city. And, and, you know, you were lucky enough that you sort of work where you live um, and not everybody in the city is that lucky. And I'm curious about your thoughts on how to make, um, I guess, how to make car driving less appealing and you know how, what what you can do about that at the level of a city as a city councilor. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I am super lucky. I am a you know eight to fifteen minute walk to work, <laughs> depending on how I'm feeling every day. Um, but you know, again, it's transit. It's you know safe infrastructure for walking, for cycling. Um, it's building the city in a way that you know. Of course, people need cars. Um, you know, it, it's a fact of life in, in the modern world. But you know, every person who hops on the bus, every person who hops on their bike, gets traffic, the flow of cars moving a little bit better. Um, so you know, we have to invest in the things that will allow people to make those choices. Um, yeah. I, Funding transit properly, I, I think, is just such a big one. And you know, exploring, you know, not quite a grid system, just because the the way that the roads are laid out in Guelph wouldn't work for a true grid. But you know, some sort of modified grid system for transit, where you know, it's not this hub and spoke that causes you know all sorts of delays. It's hard to get around because you have to come downtown to get to anywhere else in the city. Um, just making making transit work go where people need to go bike lanes you know bike lanes that connect to each other is a huge thing um I, i've i've been finding myself just you know spit out right into traffic uh, from many a bike lane yeah um just getting around on foot needs to be easier um in the winter i you know i, I walk pretty much everywhere and i'm relatively you know young and healthy and I find it hard to walk around the city in the winter. Mm. I can't imagine what that must be like for people with mobility issues, the elderly. Um, it's, you know, we like to think we're green. We like to think we're a walkable, bikeable city, but we have a long way to go. I wanted to talk about this uh, particular aspect of your campaign because you're one of the few people who's kind of openly talking about this, um, which is... Um, reducing police spending as a way to sort of pay for some of these things. Um, I wonder how, you know, we kind of see this, and I think we saw this at um, the 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 realtors debate the other day, that, you know, safety is a big concern, and when people are worried about safety, they turn to police. And so um, in, in this time when safety is a primary concern for people, um, how do you propose to sell the idea that policing isn't the solution I, I i guess in this aspect you know i i'm an idealist but <laughs> i am also a realist um you know i i don't think we're gonna you know defund the police as it were um the the police are a reality and important for public safety within our community but i don't think they are where public safety should start or end um you know I, I would like to see council pushing back on, you know, what I view as, you know, essentially a blank check that we give to the police every mm. year. Um, I, I would like to see some of those funds diverted into, you know, su supports for addiction, supports for mental health, um, supportive housing. Um, you know, it's so widely understood. If you get people just a safe place to stay, it, you know, it reduces the the cost of providing services to people, um, you know, who are who are disadvantaged, and it makes them less likely to commit the the really the petty crime. You know, it's mm. checking car doors, it's you know just 
you know, the, the stuff that kind of, it, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to say that it's not a big deal, but it's, it, these are crimes of poverty and crimes mm. of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so if we work to lift people out of poverty, if we work to, you know, help people who are suffering from addiction, it re- it's going to reduce the amount of these types of crimes. And, you know, really that allows the police to focus on the bigger issues, focus on, you know, preventing and solving, like, you know, the real big crime instead of, as they say, going after, you know, it's, you know, the same people over and over again. And, you know, it's this revolving door right. that that it's not serving anyone. It's not, it's not getting better. So why are we just doing the same thing over and over again? Are you worried uh, some of your idealism and optimism is going to get uh, shaved off in the, the cold, cruel world of politics? I, I really hope not. I, <laughs> I, I do fear for that. Um, I, uh, I am a, truly an idealist at heart. Um, and, you know, I, I like to see the best in people, um, you know, no matter who they are. Uh, and it's something that I've really been enjoying about this process is getting to meet people with differing perspectives, but getting to, you know, kind of connect on something uh, at a basic human level with them. And yeah, I, I, I hope that will fuel my ongoing idealism. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the most uh, important question of the day, which is how can people learn more about you and your campaign? Yeah. Um, so my website is wordtoelia.ca. And just because I know my name trips people up sometimes, my name is spelled E-L-I-A. Uh, on Twitter, I'm also word to Elia, And you can email me eliamorrisonward2 at gmail.com. All right, Ilya, thank you so much for all your time today and good luck with uh, what remains of the campaign. Thank you so much, Adam. I mean that in a nonpartisan way, just (laughs) to be sure. (laughs) Okay, Raymond Sarter, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Why don't we start with, um, you know, you kind of uh, new to the political scene. So, you know, as by way of introducing yourself to the listeners, um, Why don't you talk a little about who you are and and why you're running? Well, I was born and raised in the ward. Mm -hmm. And uh, my family has actually been in Guelph for over 100 years. So I love Guelph. I know Guelph. But, you know, I was born and raised, went to various schools in Guelph. And then, like, like many others, went to university and other in Hamilton and et cetera, et cetera. And then I ended up in Toronto and I had a fairly successful career uh, in Toronto with my advertising agencies. And then I traveled the world and did business elsewhere. So, so Adam, I've lived in Paris, I've lived in Mexico and I've uh, lived in, and lectured in China. Mm. I decided hey, you know what, let's go back home. Let's go back to my hometown. So I bought a uh, place in Guelph. I live in Ward 2. And I said, what the heck happened to this place? You know, it's like it's like that Febreze commercial where you're, you go nose blind. Uh, somebody's cooking fish in the house. You don't smell the fish, but your friend comes over and goes, oh, my God, I smell the fish. So when I came here, I went, wow, there's a lot of denial. That downtown is a bit of a 
mess. And what's this about a hundred million dollar library? Are we crazy? And where's the hospital I was born in? Are you telling me that a place with an 80,000 population uh, uh, when I was here had one hospital, two hospitals? Now we're up to 140,000 or more and we've only got one hospital. That's my probably my biggest beef. Mm. Appreciating so, though. I need to do something. Right. A appreciating though that, you know, hospitals, uh, that's, no, you know, just province. We I was, I was going to say it's not just the city. It, you know, there is, you know, there are a lot of fingers who have to agree to start baking that pie. Yeah, so, but for 37 years, nobody's baked the pie. Right. So somebody needs to do something. We, I'm, I've, I've stated on my literature that I'm going to vote to continue the, the, the local share and get this thing moving. And, you know, something I would like, I was thinking, you know what? You're a very good investigative reporter. So the quicker we get, you could probably do this better than I can. How many lives do we save if we get the hospital here quicker? Mm. I don't know how you would do that equation, but my thinking is if we get it here in 12 years or if we get it here in eight years, it's four years, like, do we save a lot of lives? And now that I'm back here, I'm doing a lot with my family because my family lives in Ward 2 as well. My dad goes to the hospital. Wait, we got to go to Kitchener. Wait, we got to go to Hamilton. What the heck is this? And so I'm just thinking, I know the hospital. I, I know the hospital's provincial. Mm. But I think that we need, somebody needs to talk to Mr. Ford and somebody needs to do some lobbying to get that darn hospital here quicker. That's mm -hmm. all I hear when I talk to my constituents is hospital. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's probably fair. Uh, I guess the question then becomes, um, what can you do as a city councillor uh, aside from lobbying? I mean, lobbying is important and, and being yeah. loud and in people's faces that that makes stuff happen. But, yeah. um, you know, aside from, you know, voting yes for that that hospital infrastructure levy is what kind of direct influence do you think you can have? Well, being in business, there's a lot of different lobbying and things you can do to make things happen. And you have to make them happen smart. Mm -hmm. You have to think smart. So we would have to do some lobbying and figuring out what the others couldn't figure out in the mm -hmm. last 37 years. And I think if we can do that, well, somehow we need to, 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 to get, a, get the hospital going and find a way to get it going. It's the same thing as the downtown. I don't mean to jump, but one of your articles was exactly what I said in the, in the Chamber of Commerce debate. I don't have a magic wand. Mm. That is a, like a seven-headed dragon. You've got mm. opioids, you've got healthcare, you've got mental illness, you've got homelessness. That's a big dragon. But I've, I've slayed dragons before, Adam. And what you have to do is you have to sit down and analyze it. And that downtown needs uh, one champion. Mm. One person needs to take all of the elements and attack it. And I think it can be done. I think it can be done. So what you're talking about is that, you know, we kind of need 
I, I guess someone to bring in all of your and and, and I, I agree. I've made this point before. You have you know nonprofit agencies. You have you know the county, the city, um, you know various sort of like individualized endeavors like the your downtown well friends you know group. You want to be kind of like the point person to sort of like lead the effort into all of these groups to tackling this problem. Yes, and it's it's an interesting problem, and I shouldn't say this. Mm. Oh, what the heck? What, what, what do we need to do? And who's, who's profiting? Ugh, who's profiting from homelessness? Where is all that money going? For gosh sakes, is that money going right? To, I mean, our job is to help the helpless. Mm. And where's, there's a lot of money sitting there. But I think there's like every big city, there's a lot of red tape get through the red tape and find a way to help these people. I mean, why, why is the welcome center? I don't know if you remember the welcome center on Gordon Mm -hmm. with Christine. Mm -hmm. Why is it closed? Like get it open, get it open. And I know there's the other one up on Woolwich that they're just working on now for homeless. So things are happening, but I don't know if they're happening quick enough. And I don't know if they're happening with smart coordination. Mm. And I think there needs to be smart coordination. And you, you've written a number of things about the relationship between the county and the city. That needs, somebody needs to go in there and, 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 and make that not so, uh, I don't know what you, abrasive. Mm. Everybody mm. wants to fix it. Nobody doesn't want to fix it. Right. It's just how we fix it. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, you've talked a lot about sort of what you want to do and, and sort of how it compares to, you know, the Guelph you remember and, you know, your, your long family history th- through yeah. the city. Um, I, I guess what, what I see a lot of these times is um, we're kind of in a, in a really frictious stage where, you know, we have so many pe- long, like we have so many long-term Guelphites that live in a city who remember, yeah. you know, you know, when this town was like 70,000, 80,000 people, we're, we're trying to make a jump or we've been kind of mandated to make a jump to 200,000. So I guess given your long-term history in the city, um, can we hold on to the things that, you know, you remember that made wealth great while still, you know, making room for almost twice the number of people? Yes. Yes. I mean, if you go to Kitchener, you go, what? If you go to some of these other cities, you go, what? Guelph is still got. I mean, you, one of the other reasons I'm, I'm running is because my Ward War II is really fantastic. My Ward War II has the ward. Yeah. It has the downtown. It has the hospital. It has a whole bunch of hot buttons. So let's go back quickly to the ward. So I want to protect the ward. The ward is a little jewel. We can do amazing things in the ward. And one of the things I want to do, and it's near and dear to my heart because it's probably one of the first things I ever saw. My father worked at at Mabel Iron Mm. when I was born. Mm -hmm. I come back and it's still a brown land. Mm -hmm. 13, 13 acres, Adam of which the developers, I know, oh, the nasty developers, they want to take that brown land and make it green. Mm-hmm. That sounds like Guelph, take brown land and make it green. Take land that's already inside the city so we can forget about the urban sprawl. And that the people that I've talked to said, 
we want to talk about affordable housing. They're saying they can put 2,000 beautiful, smaller units down at Beverly. Take, take that piece of, of yucky land and greenify it and beautify it and put some, uh, you know, affordable, attainable houses in it. Turn Beverly Street into Beverly Hills. That's one of the things I want to do. I've got three things. One is the hospital. One is that white elephant library. And one is Beverly Street. If I can do those three in the four years, that would be amazing. Amazing. Turn Beverly Street into Beverly Hills. If people didn't know you were in marketing before, they certainly know it now. But uh, we have kind of reached the end. Uh, so I do need to ask you just one last essential question, which is where can people learn more about your campaign? So tonight at midnight, you can go to alexsartor.com. Okay, perfect. Raymond Sartor, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. And that's it for this special edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire. And we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to any episode of Open Sources by downloading it from our website. You can get it from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or via your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. You can find Scotty on Facebook and Twitter at Scotty Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. And you can find out all sorts of information about CFRU, including programs and volunteer opportunities and the weekly top 20 list. You can find all of that at CFRU.ca. Coming up on Open Sources in the next couple of weeks on the October 13th and October 20th show, we will have interviews with the people who are running to be the next mayor of Guelph. That is at our regular time, Thursday at 5 p.m. And for all things Open Sources or CFRU, stay tuned to this feed. The hits just keep on coming, and we will see you next time.